Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. kicks off a new collection of talks, seven revelations of Jesus for his church. Revelation may be the most misunderstood book in the Bible. What if Jesus's message to the seven churches was not a mystical prophecy about the end of the world, but rather a practical guide for believers seeking to follow him? In this first installment, Lost Love, we explore the church of Ephesus and the keys to recovering our first love. For more resources, check out vuchurch.com slash seven. Now let's lean into the message together. Today we are uh, starting a brand new collection of talks. Uh, how many were here last Sunday for our seven year anniversary? Make a little bit of noise. Someone say happy birthday, Vu. Uh, we're not just celebrating one Sunday, we're just celebrating, I think the entire fall is gonna be our birthday celebration. But uh, after seven years, I felt like we were finally mature enough, finally ready enough to open the book of Revelation. <laughs> Look at people are getting up and leaving the church right now. Uh, today we are starting a collection in honor of our anniversary entitled Seven. Everyone say Seven. And uh, we're going to be studying the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. A lot more there to it, but I felt like in our seven-year anniversary season, as we step into our eighth year, that you could handle the first three chapters. And today, I, I want to preach a message. Um, this is going to be a seven-week collection, and this is first week, week number one. I want to preach a message entitled, Lost Love. Lost Love. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you lost your love? Look at your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, today you got to recover the love. Every once in a while at VU, we teach in all sorts of different formats. Sometimes we will preach topically. Sometimes we will preach towards a felt need. Uh, but many times throughout our history as a church, we will take time to study a book of the Bible, uh, a letter in God's word, a passage of scripture. I think this is important. I think that it's God's word that we're building our church. It's a firm foundation. In a world that has all sorts of new trends and all sorts of new truth, I'm grateful for God's word, which is solid ground. It's something you can build your life on. And today, as we start this conversation and this collection out of the book of Revelation, I always think it's important uh, that whenever you study the Bible, there's three important lessons when studying the Bible. Number one, context. Number two, context. Number three, context. You're going to actually have to get some background. You have to understand who wrote it, when was it written, why was it written. And the book of Revelation is actually, uh, we call it a book, but it's actually the longest letter in the New Testament. And it's written around 96 AD by the apostle John. And just the background of the letter, I think it's very, very fascinating that what's taking place at this time is that intense persecution has hit the church. Uh, not persecution like we're seeing today in America. This isn't internet trollers. These aren't blogs. This is um, saw you into, boil you in water, uh, feed you to lions type of persecution. Anybody grateful we live in America today? Somebody just thank God right now that you can be a Christian in America. I know 
It might not be all perfect in this nation, but we aren't being killed for gathering today. But that's what was taking place at this time period. And really, there is a new emperor that is taking leadership in Rome. His name is Domitian. And he has heightened the persecution. He has a rule that whenever you step into the temple, that before you can worship any other god, you must declare Caesar as God. Well, John, the apostle, the one whom Jesus loved, says, I cannot do that. And he's not just canceled in the media. Instead, he is exiled to a little island known as Patmos. Uh, Patmos is a quarry. It is truly Alcatraz. And it's from Patmos that he writes the longest letter in the New Testament. And it's addressed to seven different churches, hence the collection title, Seven. And I want to just begin by reading the first three verses, because I think the first three verses in so many ways of Revelation begin to put it into context. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse three, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. The first three verses in so many ways set up what this letter is going to be about. This is called a prophetic letter. Many times when we hear the word prophetic, our ears quickly tell us that this means it's a prediction of the future, which is very true. But more often than not, what you'll discover in the Bible is that when you see the word prophetic, it's really about a now word. It's a thus says the Lord type of word. And as John begins to get this prophetic word about Jesus, he's sending it to these seven churches I can't help but notice that in the very first three verses, there is a promise of blessing that if we will study this word, if we will apply this word, no other book in the Bible begins with a blessing simply for reading it. I feel bad because Revelation, if you've been around church, the reason why we all kind of started this way a little bit on eggshells is because people don't know what to do with it. Uh, Some people look at it and just go, whoa, that thing is so complicated and so weird. I mean, scholars throughout the centuries have had different problems with it. Uh, Jerome, the famous priest, he said that thing is just full of riddles. Uh, Martin Luther, the great Christian reformer, we wouldn't be here today without uh, the work of Martin Luther. He probably would have thrown it out of the canon. He, He literally was like, yo, for a book that promises you blessing, why is it so hard to understand? So on one hand, people just kind of get rid of it. Or, someone say or, or there's this other group of people that are super Spiro, you know what I'm talking about, that have used it as some sort of celestial timetable that have graphs and charts and kind of break down how the entire world is going to go and what's happening in their government and their hour and when Jesus is coming back. And with it, it leaves a lot of just people going, I don't even want to touch it. And so as we begin this conversation, I suppose I just want to throw that out there that we're aware of that. And that's why in our little seven-year history as a church, where we're starting is what I think is the most practical, potent part of Revelation. Because in the very first three chapters, there is some of the most applicable words to right now, today. That's not confusing. That's not hard to discover. That it's vital right now in this moment. And that is the letters and the 
corrections and the encouragement to the seven churches of the day. And I think that the encouragements and the corrections, well, I think they're practical and applicable for you and I right now, even in 2022. And so that is where we're gonna land for the next seven weeks. Anybody excited about where God is about to take us? Our team has worked really hard to bring resources to you. I think at VU Church, we are not the experts on anything, but I think that we are the guides to a whole lot. And we want to guide you on your spiritual journey of faith. And that's why if you go to vuchurch.com, those of you watching online right now, slash, I believe, seven, uh, we have a resource site there with all sorts of great books that you can read if you want to go deeper as you study this letter. Um, As you start this scripture and as you start in Revelation, this is what we call apocalyptic writing. That's a scary word as well, but really that word just means um, an uncovering. It's a disclosure. There's other books throughout the Bible, Ezekiel, um, Daniel. These are all considered apocalyptic writing. What you'll discover in these books is that many times as you're reading it, uh, imagery is used. Uh, Pictures are used. Animals can have meaning, and natural disasters can speak to the, the time and the events. Eugene Peterson, who I love his writings as he wrote the message version, Um, I think it's an encouragement, uh, supportive type of thing to read as you study God's word. He he actually really believed that there's nothing new taught in the book of Revelation, but rather as you read Revelation, you're just getting a new glimpse. You're you're, you're expanding your imagination. He said it this way. Uh, I wrote down this quote. He said, I read Revelation not to get new information, but to revive my imagination. So there's nothing new taught in Revelation. Instead, it's giving you a new picture and a new glimpse of Jesus Christ. This church has one message, and that is the message of Jesus. We find him so compelling. We find him so intoxicating. He has transformed us from the inside out. And as you read Revelation chapter one, what you're gonna discover is that every letter in the New Testament was always meant to be read aloud. Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. These are all letters that were given to the church, and then somebody would read them aloud from the Apostle Paul. It's the same with Revelation, that these letters are sent, and then they are meant to be read aloud. And that's why you'll hear John like use the word, I heard or I saw. He begins his entire letter trying to give a correct picture and image of Jesus. And I love starting here today because this is so very, very important. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. We talked about this in the Daddy Issues Collection. How do you see God? How do you see Jesus? Some of us, we have aspects of Jesus, but we don't have the totality of who he is. Um, I grew up in a church, and maybe you grew up this way too. Uh, I grew up in my grandfather's church in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, it was a beautiful church. I loved it, wonderful upbringing, but on the wall in the lobby was this beautiful painting of Jesus, and maybe you saw this painting as well. He had long, flowing hair, and then he had this like lamb around his neck, you know, and he's kind of like, I call him gentle Jesus, and a lot of us like in this room, like we love gentle Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Oh, look at his hair. It's flowing. Oh, it's gentle Jesus. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Jesus is gentle, but how many of y'all know he's so much more than just simply gentle? In fact, by the way, it's kind of funny. Um, it, just by a show of hands, anyone ever see that like, picture of Jesus with the, with the lamb around it? Anyone, just any, any a couple Christians today. Okay, praise God. <laughs> online gentle Jesus. You know what I found out about? I didn't know this until I was much older in life. That 
that picture is depicted as him being a shepherd. In fact, we know that he is the good shepherd. A shepherd's job is what? Is to protect the sheep. Remember the story in Luke 15 when the one sheep gets away? And what does the shepherd do? He goes and he finds the one wandering sheep. Because that's what shepherds do. They protect the sheep from the wolves. Over and over again, Jesus likens you and me to sheep. Not encouraging because as you study sheep, they're stupid. And it was Jesus's, it was strategic Jesus. Who didn't just call you stupid, he just called you sheep, you know? Um, but, but sheep wander. You know what I found out about shepherds? If the sheep wanders too many times, the shepherd will break the legs of the sheep. Why? Because sometimes before God blesses you, he has to break you. And that picture I grew up all the time going, Jesus is so gentle. Nah, dog. He just broke that sheep's legs. I call that violent Jesus. Sometimes before he can bless me, he has to break some things off my life. Sometimes I have to be wounded before he can use me greatly rather than run from the breaking, rather than run from the difficulty, let me embrace that he is the good shepherd who has my best interest in mind. I suppose I start here today because I love gentle Jesus. And some of y'all today, you are in need of gentle Jesus. But John, in his moment of persecution, as he's been exiled to Patmos, he does not introduce to you and I gentle Jesus. He does not want you, as you start reading this, to get the picture in your mind of long flowing hair, perfect cheekbones, Jesus. That's not how he introduces him. I I don't know. Maybe it's because he understood that many times one of our great weaknesses in life is that whatever circumstances I am going through, many times I will take what's happening in my life and project it upon an all-sufficient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. Meaning, I feel weak, therefore God must be weak. I'm hurting, therefore God must be hurting. I'm afraid today. I wonder, is God afraid today? I'm pretty shocked by the storm. I wonder, is God shocked by the storm? I can't pay my bills today. I wonder, can God pay his bills today? I'm sick in my body today. I wonder, God must be sick in his body today. Oh, but friend, I want you to understand today that whatever you are facing, whatever hurt you've got going in your life, you might be going through it, but it's not an indication of who your God is. John says, make no mistake, underground church, those that are being persecuted, those that are being killed, those that are being talked about, those that have false allegations, those that are living in exile, my body is hurting. But I want you to understand today, while I might be afraid, there is a God in heaven who is not afraid. He is not shocked. He is not stopped. He is in control. So John doesn't introduce us to gentle Jesus, he gives us glorious Jesus. And he starts describing what he sees on Patmos. And what does he say? He says, I saw Jesus, I'm looking at him, and his hair is so white that I can barely look upon it. Because he's referencing the other apocalyptic writing of Daniel who says that he is the ancient of days. He talks about what he's wearing. He's wearing a king's robe and a priest's robe because Jesus Christ is the one who has authority, but he also walks in humility. He came and paid the price for you once and for all. Your sins have been blessed. 
blotted out. He loves you. He talks about eyes like fire that pierce our soul, that purify us from the inside out. This is glorious, Jesus. This is glorious Jesus, glorious Jesus. As you read Revelation, think glorious Jesus. We gotta get this in our hearts today, that today we're not just a social club, today it's not just a gathering of friendly fellowship. I love all the fellowship, I love all the things that our church is doing, but I want you to understand that we are separated. Our religion is different. We come around a God who is alive and who is glorious and who is working. Oh man, Jesus is different. Jesus is different from the apostles. He's different from the saints. You can go all throughout history. I'm thankful for great men and women of God who have laid their life down. You could go all back through the great people who've lived. You could go to the tomb of Mother Teresa, but her bones, they're buried there, so better be quiet. There's Mother Teresa. You could go over the tomb of Billy Graham. God bless Billy Graham, all the ministry that he did. But anybody thankful today that you can walk up to the tomb of Jesus Christ and you could begin to shout, you could begin to give some praise, because he resurrected from the grave and he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's glorious. No matter what I'm facing, I am reminded that I serve a God who has faced everything that I'm facing and conquered it all. That's why greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And John is saying, make no mistake about it, I am on Alcatraz right now. And if you look at my condition, you will start to think that maybe there's something weak about my God, but there's nothing weak about my God. Let us trust him even till the end. Even to the end. I want to unveil and I want you to discover the glory of our God, the glory of Jesus. He's with you right now. He loves you. He's with you in your trial for our friends on the West Coast. He is close. He's never been closer than he is right now in your trial. He shows up to John on Patmos and he begins to speak to John. Revelation chapter two is our first church. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter two, verse one. Jesus gives this message. He says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. Write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently. Everyone say patiently. And bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but, everyone say but, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The first church that we, we, we look at today is the church in Ephesus. And it's important that you understand that as this letter is being written, that these are real places. So these are words for these real places, but these are words that I think outlast just the moment. And they speak to all of us that we can gain so much truth as we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling here today in 2022. 
And it's just important that you kind of see uh, these seven churches are all literal churches. I think we've got a map that's coming up. And if you were to find these places today, this is modern day Turkey now today. And, and you'll see all seven of these churches. At Ephesus, what's fascinating about Ephesus as you start to study is that get the cultural background is that F- Ephesus is a major city. It's an important city. It's an influential city. It's, it's near the water. And so it was a trade route. And so I, I love it. They didn't have uh, YouTube and Instagram back then, but God was still come up with strategies of how to get the word out. Because as the letter came to Ephesus, it was going to spread from there. And so there in Ephesus, as you study this city, what, what's fascinating about this city is that this city was the home of uh, where they worshiped the goddess known as Diana. And Diana had a temple there, which at one point was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. People would come from everywhere just to worship in this temple. The entire temple had its own, honestly, exchange system, hundreds of priests, money exchanged. People came everywhere to get to Ephesus. But what's fascinating, as we know about church history, is that Ephesus is not just booming culturally in a major way. The church of Jesus Christ is beginning to boom there as well. In fact, Ephesus at this point in history is now the center of Christianity. I want to remind all of us that one of the great ways for churches to grow is to walk through persecution. Adversity brings revival. Tough times bring people to their knees. When you're in a desperate moment, man, you cry out to God like you never have been before. I don't want storms to come to our land, but I believe that God will even use the storm to get glory as we humble ourselves and pray. As we study this church in Ephesus, what you'll find is that it's a really fascinating church. It was founded by the Apostle Paul. It was nurtured by Priscilla and Aquila. It was led by Timothy until he was murdered. But then the apostle John pastors it until he is exiled to Patmos. Fun, interesting tidbit I share with us at conference this past summer. Uh, Most theologians believe that Jesus' mother Mary attended this church. Which I just think is like, that's awesome. But also kind of intimidating, right? You're the preacher, it's Christmas. Mary was a virgin, right, right? It's, it's just like, that's a different deal. She's attending the church. And as you hear about it, quickly, Jesus brings a word to the church in Ephesus. He starts by encouraging them. Can I tell all the leaders out there, all the business owners, all the moms and dads, connect before you correct. That's not new age teaching. That's the pattern of Jesus. He commends before he brings a correction. And where does he start commending the church? The first area that he commends the church is in this category that I would call Christian energy. He says, yo, you guys are working so hard and you're laboring and you're toiling and I applaud you. We must understand that if we're gonna do anything for God, it's gonna require work. That's why Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the the workers are few. Some of you are new to Voo Church, like, This church has advanced because of the grace of God, but because men and women have sacrificed, have labored to actually go to the plow and see God do something. So he's applauding them for their Christian energy and celebrating their toil. He's saying, you're you're doing good. In fact, he says, patient endurance. Everyone say patient. Now, the Greek word for patience, I've preached about it before, but if you've forgotten it, it's, it's it's like the dopest word ever. 
someone after I preached this a couple years ago, they got the tattoo of this. Everyone always gets tattoos of Don Cherie's sermon titles. No one gets any tattoos of my sermon titles. But one time after church, this girl came to me, she's like, yo. And she pulled out her hand, and it was this word. The word is hoopamone. Well, that's kind of a crazy tattoo. But she's like, I got it, hoopamone. Hoopamone is the Greek word for patience. And it means a triumphant fortitude. So when this word is used, it's not this passive sit back and just, I'm waiting on God, but I'm not going to do anything. No, no, no. It's a triumphant fortitude that I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up. I was studying a couple weeks ago, and I came across the story of Beethoven, one of the world's greatest composers who, who has made more music and just a prodigy genius. But if you know his story, he started to lose his hearing. He went deaf as he's composing some of the greatest music we've ever heard. But he was quoted many times in his life, shouting, saying, I will take fate by the throat. Let me tell you what that is. That's called hupomone. That's a triumphant fortitude. That's I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up. I'm going to act like it depends upon me, and I'm going to pray like it depends upon God. So Jesus is commending for this Christian energy, but it's not just Christian energy. He says, he commends them for their Christian orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is this idea that they have good doctrine. They know a lot of Bible verses. They have a good belief mechanism. I think this is important for all of us on your maturing in your journey of faith that you have good doctrine, that you actually have Christian orthodoxy, that you don't just live out your truth, you go to his truth. <laughs> I think this is so important. This is, he's like, you're holy. Like he, he talks about the Nicolaitans, which we're going to hear about them in the third week about the church in Pergamos, that this was this teaching that was coming in that was all about just, you know, use grace as a license to do whatever you want to do. And he's saying, you've come against that teaching, and that teaching's wrong, and I applaud you for that. He's celebrating them, Christian energy and Christian orthodoxy. But then he comes with the correction. And the correction is something that I'm challenged with, and I believe you'll be challenged with as well. He says, man, you've got Christian energy, and you've got Christian orthodoxy, but one thing that you are lacking is Christian love. You have forgotten your first love. I defined it this past summer. What is first love? First love is the love you had at first. If you've ever fallen in love, you know that feeling. Oh, my goodness, goosebumps. And, uh, What's your favorite color? Blue? Oh my God, my favorite color is blue as well. We have so much in common. You know, like, it's, it's this, it's this, how is love marked? It's, it's marked with sacrifice. It's marked with time. It's marked with being together. There's a tangible picture. When you love someone, you can see that you love them. And many of us, we can go back on our journey of faith and you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. You were crazy. You actually believe the entire Bible. <laughs> you were quick to forgive. You were quick to serve. You were quick to give. It was the first love. Now, what's fascinating is that when you start studying theology, what you learn is that you learn the only way you understand love or have the capacity to love God is why? Because he first loved you. God first loved you. He first loved 
me. I love Jesus because he loved me. He came and saved me. He came and found me. He came and wrapped his arms around me. And now, as he's initiated me, I am responding in love to him. That's why everything we do at Voo Church is not for a blessing. It's from a blessing. I don't worship to get a breakthrough. Homie, I got a breakthrough on the cross 2,000 years ago, and now today I'm walking in the freedom of it. I'm just grateful to be here. But what had happened in this church, I don't know. They've got Christian energy. They've got Christian orthodoxy. But somehow they've lost their love to Jesus. And if you lose your love to Jesus, you will lose your love to people. Why? Because they said, Jesus, how do we fulfill the law? He's like, that's simple. That's simple. You got all these principles and all this stuff. No, no, no. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the hallmark This is the bedrock of any Christian church. Love God. We've gathered today, not for a show, not to consume. We've gathered to worship God. That's why we came. We came for his glory, not for our glory. But as we hear the word today, it ought to spread us into the streets. We ought to go back to our cubicle. Uh, We ought to go back to our job. We ought to go back to our spouse in the minivan on the way home. We ought to look at our kids. We ought to look at the guy you can't stand right now in your neighborhood. And we ought to love all of them better because as we got into his presence, his love cleansed us. Oh, come on, somebody. I know I'm teaching today, but this is what what we're doing. This is what we're doing. But Rich, what about people who disagree with me? Rich, what about people that are on the other side of my po- political thought? Rich, what about, what about my boss who's mean? Rich, what about the other soccer mom who, whose kids are mean to my kids? We're called to love them. Let me put it better. Jesus said, love your enemy. This is what makes the church. And so it doesn't matter if you've got Christian energy. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know if you don't have love. I am not impressed with crowds showing up to our church if we leave here not loving Miami better than how we came into this place. Someone say lost love. So many churches that have lost their love. Let me try to illustrate it. This is, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 13. Have you ever heard this passage before? This is, this is really good. Some of you have heard this before. Maybe you haven't. This is maybe you heard it at a wedding one time. It, it works outside of a wedding as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. All the super spiritual people are like, yeah, yeah. What's the tongue of men and angels, brah? But have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Watch this. This gets really good. And if I have the prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, watch this. This is is harsh language. I am nothing. If I give away all I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Meaning you can can reverse tithe, give away 90% of your income, but if you're doing it without love, I don't care how many promises, you're gaining nothing. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, I don't know, I just, I like that verse as we're studying Revelation, because it's like, ooh, ooh. If I can prof, if I know all the mysteries. You ever, it's like, sometimes I think some churches remind me of like hiking stores. You ever been to a hiking store? Wow, tough crowd. Okay, um. <laughs> sometimes I go like, in the, like these hiking stores, like, you know, it's like this subculture, like, you know, REI. You ever like walk in one of these places, like instantly you're like insecure. Like, why? Because like all the guys in there, it's like, like I'm looking for a backpack, you know? It's like, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, uh, put some books in it. Um. And like instantly you just feel like you don't measure up because you don't, you've never scaled Everest, you know? I don't know. It's like trying to buy some shoes. It's like, what are you going to be doing with these shoes? I'm like, oh, like walking and stuff. Uh. You don't need these. You don't need these. Like, well, I want you don't, you don't need these ones. You don't need these. These are, these, are for, these are for experts. Well, I just want some boots, you know? Sometimes churches can be this way. I don't ever want that kind of place. Oh, <laughs> wait till you mature, my brother. You have so many things to learn. God bless you. Like, it, dude, like, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care. I don't care if you know all the books. I don't care if you know all the books. If you don't have love... That's where he's coming. He's like, you've forgotten your first love. Jesus, people, you got energy, you got orthodoxy, but you got, you're missing the only ingredient, love. Let me just try to illustrate, because I, want, I want you to leave today not with lost love, but recovering your love. In fact, help me out, help me out. Can, can, I, can you guys, I, Luke Berry, is Luke Berry in the house? Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Luke Berry. All right, cool. Luke, if you don't know, helped us start the church eight years ago. He oversees all of our worship. He's uh, an expert musician. <clears throat> He's like a Beethoven for 2022. Anyways, um, <laughs> but I, I wanted to get Luke because I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess with this. But the scripture literally says that if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, all I am is a clanging symbol. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? Just hey, give, give me a little, what does a symbol sound like? Oh, that's beautiful. Watch this now. Watch how ineffective my preaching, my teaching is with a symbol. All right, welcome to Voo Church, everybody. We're so happy that you're here. Oh, he's good. Okay. I want, I want, I want, to, I want to, I'm going to really preach now, okay? I'm going to like, I'm going to go into my preaching roots because I got a little, I got another gear in me you don't always see, but I got it. Watch this. Oh, I want you to know, there is a God somewhere. He came down from high, came down low, walked on these streets. Oh, I'm telling you, he said, oh my God, oh my. It don't matter how animated I get. Let's go this style. Let's go real teachy. Well, church, it's God. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what style you pick up. Doesn't matter if you're deep and pithy. Doesn't matter if you're radical and Pentecostal. If you don't have love, it is drowned out. Nobody is hearing what we're saying. Nobody is seeing the light that Jesus has for us. Come on, somebody, make a little bit of noise. Give it up for Luke. Very, very good. Very, very good. Very, very good. Someone say lost love. This is what I want you to understand. You'll never endure for God if you don't first enjoy God. 
if you don't first enjoy God. And dude, apparently, Jesus comes back and even his mom is at the church. He's like, yo, you guys have got all the energy and all the orthodoxy, but somehow you have forgotten what this is all about. It's about love. You've, you've lost your love for me and you've lost your love for other people and now you are just laboring out of effort. I read in Thessalonians the other day, this is powerful. See if you can pick it up. This is um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by, what's the word? By love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They are commended by the Apostle Paul the same way that Jesus is commending, but what you're seeing that's different is one that's empowered by the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's empowered by the grace of God. And then in Revelation, it's like laboring in the flesh, striving in our own effort. When I remove love for Jesus, when I remove being reminded of his love for me and love for other people, all of those words become effort-based and labor-based, legalistic in nature, and we're missing the whole point. And today, it's really, really simple because it's not just this correction that leaves us like feeling bad about ourselves, but Jesus, the ultimate good shepherd who sometimes has to break some pride off of us so he can bless us. Today, maybe some of us were wandering a little bit. He's coming to get us. And yes, he's gentle, but he's also glorious. And maybe he puts us on his shoulders a little bit today to say, let me break something from your paradigm. Let me break something from your thinking. Let me break some religion off of you. Let me break some offense off of you. Let me break some judgment off of you. Let me break some greed off of you so that I can bless you with my grace, so that I can bless you with my mercy. He doesn't just leave us in a corrected state. He gives us a very practical way of how we can recover our lost love. Someone say, today, I want to recover my lost love. It's really, really simple. As the worship team makes their way up here, the first thing he says that if you want to recover your lost love is you have to remember. Everyone say, remember. This is so very, very important that we just remember. That's what we said last week. The whole message was set a reminder Set a reminder, the further I go on my journey of following Jesus, the more our ministry grows, the more that people know me as a professional Christian. I don't want to get too far from my testimony. I don't want to get too far from, wow, the saving power of Jesus. Thomas Goodwin, the Puritan preacher, wrote to his son one time, brought it on the screen, he said, when I was threatening to become cold in my ministry, and when I felt Sabbath morning coming and my heart not filled with amazement at the grace of God, or when I was making ready to dispense the Lord's Supper, do you know what I used to do? I used to take a turn up and down among the sins of my past life, and I always came down with a broken and contrite heart ready to preach as it was preached in the beginning the forgiveness of sins oh may we never graduate to this place of maturity that we've lost the joy of our salvation I don't know your story but I know my story if it wasn't for the grace of God 
No, I am not where I want to be. Yes, there's things I'm still believing for, but man, anybody, can you testify with me that you are thankful you are not where you used to be? He saved me and sanctified me. He brought me security. He brought me faith for my fear. He walks with me. So it's simple, just remember. Some of you just go back. Just go back to the early days. Remember, talk about it much. Talk about it often. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You don't stop telling your testimony. You always tell your testimony. You don't glorify the beginning of the testimony. You glorify the second part of the testimony. You ever met those people before? It's like, which part are you more impressed with? Yo, back in the day, I was the man. Clubbing, bottles, models, bottles and models. I was the man, bro. Everyone knew me on the beach, bro. Living crazy. I'm really crazy stuff. <laughs> and then one day, I met Jesus. I'm like, that's not compelling at all. Sounds like you missed those former days. Anybody in the house, you could say, no, I don't miss those former days. I'm thankful for what I'm walking in. I was blind, but now I see. I was deaf. Oh, but thank God for the grace of God I can hear. I was dead, but he found me in my trespass, and he found me in my sin. And I'm alive. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember. I remember, I remember, I remember. Anytime I start getting cold, Anytime I'm just laboring in the flesh, anytime I'm really pumped about how much more I know than you, I gotta come back to the warning of the church of Ephesus. Have you lost your love, Rich? Just remember, remember, remember. Oh, you got forgiveness in that heart because he forgave you. You got energy to keep moving forward because he never gave up on you. We just remember. He doesn't just say remember, he says, if you wanna recover this lost love, repent. I preached about it a lot at conference. You can hear it there, but just a simple word that gets a nasty meaning to a lot of us in 2022. Repent just means to change your mind. So it's really simple. Like today, just change your mind. You don't have to like lay prostrate at the front of the stage and just go, oh God, you don't, God, I'm changing my mind. I'm sorry. I'm more impressed with my knowledge about you than I am just knowing you. So we just change our mind. Oh, I've lost my love, lost my love. This correction, by the way, is not like, this happens to most of us on the Christian journey. That's why it's relevant to us today. So we just, we repent today. Oh, man. How do you recover it? He says, remember, repent. And then lastly, he says, do the things you did at first. So I just wrote the word down, redo. This is a practical plan of how to recover your lost love. Redo the things you did at first. Growth track step one. Some of y'all remember seven years ago, you were ready to go to any service at any time. Have you lost your love? Redo some things you did in the beginning. Some of you were so excited to give. Maybe you just gotta redo some of the giving that you used to do. What is it that you need to trigger your heart to unlock the lost love? I know for me, it's like, there's just some things that I just, I don't want to get too big for, like, we had crew this past week, awesome week in crews, even with the storm and the rain, people gathering, thousands of people gathering in crews, 
My wife and I lead a crew in our house. I'm not bragging about this. It's for my edification. It's for my soul. I love going to Vu Crew. I love putting it on the calendar. Do I always feel like going to crew? Do I always get excited about crew? Nah, sometimes on Mondays, especially when it's raining, I'm like, maybe we don't need to meet this week. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I should just, ugh, I think my throat's hurting a little bit. Uh, my kids, just like your kids, ah, you know, like, dude, just not tonight. But I just, I don't want to graduate from the things I did at first. When we started this church, we had four crews. Bro, I used to go to all of them. I'd be popping in like, what's up? Some of y'all in this room, you remember that? It's like, I just want to be around it. Just because I married my wife doesn't mean I stopped dating my wife. I wonder if we can use that language. Just because you got married to Jesus doesn't mean you stopped dating him. Come back to your first love. Let your heart be captured by him again. Believe in people again. Someone say lost love. Jesus, he speaks and he gives this beautiful encouragement, then he corrects, and then he gives the consequence if they won't obey. He said, you can either recover your lost love or I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. I've been thinking all summer long and even now today about what is the lampstand. The lampstand is exactly what it is. It's, it's the light in the church. It's, 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 it's the influence of the church. What is a church without a lampstand? It's for those that are lost in the night. It's those that are in darkness, those that are hurting, those that are in need of a gentle Jesus. They don't know how to get here if we don't have a light. You're not a church without a light. We're no better than any other kind of just social group, and God bless all the different communities, but let's not do this. Let's Let's go to the Yacht Club. Let's go to the Soho House. Let's go to the Beach Club. Let's, let's go to the Country Club. Let's go somewhere else other than this. But if we're going to do this, then we have to have a light. When an electric light bulb loses its power to shine, what do we do? We throw it away because it has lost the power of doing what it was created to do. Uselessness always invites disaster. And the church, which has ceased to shine for Christ, has lost the reason for its existence. So this is how I wrote it down. If the church loses love, the church loses its light. And today, friends, that's what we sit in that's what we reflect upon, and that's what we ask the Holy Spirit to do inside of all of us, not out of willpower, not out of effort, but dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for going to a cruel cross. Thank you for welcoming me in such a gentle way as a sheep. I'm an idiot, Lord, but you've welcomed me to you to find rest. And Lord, I've wandered so many times, but every time I've wandered, you've come and found me. And at times in finding me, you had to break some things off of me. But now I am discovering that you are glorious Jesus in your resurrected state. You have eyes like fire. Your feet are bronze that you can carry the weight of everything that I'm going through. You're not shocked or afraid. You're not scared. You're with me through all of my days. And so, Lord, I surrender once again. I want energy for you, and I want to maintain orthodoxy in you. But, Lord, give me that first love back. I want to recover my lost love because I want light to shine from my life. Oh, dear Jesus, we're coming back to our first love. Coming back to our first love. I want to recover the lost love so I don't lose my light. Lord, I thank you today for your people. I thank you, Lord, that as we start to study your word, that your word ministers to us in such a deep and profound way. Lord, I ask today, God, as we're hearing your word, that in many ways, at times it can offend us because it is a sharp, double-edged sword that pierces us and cuts things out of our life. And Lord, today, I just pray for people the city location, Somi location, online right now watching, God, so many people going through so many different things, but Lord, I pray that you would be the thing that they're looking for and that they need right now. Lord, let us take a trip down memory lane to see all that we've been saved from, all of our sin that you've washed clean. God, help us to repent today, to change our mind, and God, let us redo some of the things we did at first, that we might recover the lost loves, that we might be a light that shines bright. Lord, I pray for this house, Vu Church, seven years in, God. But Lord, we still believe there's new revelations, there's new insight about you, Jesus, that we want to capture. Lord, don't take our lampstand. God, let us shine bright for you in this city. None of us are perfect. All of us have fallen. But Lord, give us the stamina and the endurance. Lord, give us the hoopamona, Lord to actually have a triumphal fortitude, God, to not give up and grow weary, but Lord, to do so through your grace. Lord, we pray for our house, that you would bless it. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.